Welcome to episode 363 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 363 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Art. How you going, mate? I am pretty good. A little bedraggled, but pretty good. Bedraggled? What does that mean? Yes. Just a little little on the fatigued side. Uh, why is that, John? Because Epic Camp Kona Light is finished day two. So um, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by? Coffeesofhawaii.com. Oh, I bet you need some of that right now. Well, we have some of that, so it's all good. Athlinks.com. Uh, social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. I'm actually on slow twitch right now, and there's an ad saying, Hi there, your training is about to get awesome. Extreme endurance. <laughs> and uh, everybody on the camp, well, not everybody, but almost everybody on the camp has been popping their extreme endurance. Nice. Trainingpeaks.com. Um, the way to keep track of how great you are. And slstry.com. Makes you look bloody fantastic. Uh, guys, in this week's show, it's a little bit of a different show because obviously John's got his um, Epic Camp Hawaii light happening. So we're kind of doing a slightly different show today. We'll do a little bit of news and we'll kind of get a bit of an update on what John's been up to. And then I've got an, I did an interview a few hours ago with a guy called um, Nathan Johnston. And Nathan is a um, pretty impressive dude. He did Ironman Port Macquarie. And he's blind, so we have a bit of a talk to him about, you know, his experience through the Ironman and all the rest of it, and that goes for about 20 minutes as well, so we'll get that through the camp. So, um, anyway, John, where do you want to start today? Ironman Brazil was on, and uh, when we discussed this last weekend, we were sort of going, oh, I wonder what Tim, Tim O'Donnell's going to do. You know, on paper, he's pretty strong, and he's had some good races, but, you know, he, you know we're waiting for him to really come through and crush it in Kona. And uh, so, bit, bit iffy over Iron Distance, awesome at half Ironmans, but he went to Brazil and absolutely decimated everybody in an awesome time. Swam 44-24, rode 4-22, um, riding solo, yeah. and then topped that off with a 2.50 for an 8.01.32. And he smacked it by about 18 minutes, didn't he? That is impressive. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Because Brazil is, is not traditionally a... Um, you know, it's not an eight-hour course. Um, we'd have to go back and see, you know, all the pastimes. But from from my memory, it is not typically an eight-hour course. So he's gone out there and really put a bit of a marker in the sand, saying, right, you know, I can um, I can do this distance. Um, and uh, I mean, he, I know he had a good Texas a uh, couple of years ago, but yeah, he hasn't done much since. So this is um, this is impressive. Yeah, and it really does kind of make you start to think of him as one of those top five guys, doesn't it? You know, when a guy gets to the eight-hour mark, you know, on any given day, they can really be there, can't they? They can, they can, and, and the thing, you know, he's got the full package because he can, uh, he can swim well. You know, he was, he was first out of the swim by several minutes by the look of. Well, there was another guy with him, um, but you know, 44 minutes in the swim, you know, he just rode away from everybody and, and kept the, you know, the accelerator down on the run. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty impressed with that. Uh, you had second place Igor Amirio in 8:19, and uh, Stefan Schmidt in third place. Um, on the girls' side of things, uh, we had. Duh, 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 wait for it, wait oh, for it. Sound effects Ama- and all. 
<laughs> Amanda Stevens taking it out, and uh, you know she's traditionally a, a, an awesome swimmer, um, and often sort of fades as she goes through the race. But a pretty uh, pretty strong day at the office. She swam forty eight forty four, rode four fifty one, and then uh, topped that off with a three twenty for a nine oh five. So nice work. And uh, then Sarah Gross. Sarah Gross, 908, uh, making some inroads there on the run, but uh, ran out of real estate. And uh, Jesse uh, Donovan took a third place in 910. So pretty, pretty close racing, you know, only uh, just over about four and a half minutes covering, covering your top three. So that's, um, yeah, good stuff. I wonder how gutted Tim was he didn't get the sub at eight. You know, like, far out. Oh. I'm sure he's not that hard on himself, but, you know, when you're one minute 30 off it, it'd be quite nice to have right. that seven there, wouldn't it? I think it would be exactly how you felt, Bevan, if you'd gone 90130. Well, we're 905, uh, so I, I was going 905. I know, but if you'd gone 901, imagine how you would have felt. Gutted. So, yeah. No, oh, well, Although I didn't, I didn't win the race, so maybe it's... <laughs> that, that, that's true. Um, Mac is back in action, um, which is good to see because he's had a few sort of... You know, a couple of iffy performances, um, and you kind of always wonder whether he's going to come back. You know, he got um, you know third in Challenge Wanaka, and uh, has had a couple of up and down races. But uh, he's he's come back and taken out Challenge Remini, which is a, a new challenge race in France. It's, and, it's a uh, challenge half, isn't it? It is a half. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. Yep. And took out a couple of decent guys, um, Daniel Fontana and Sandro. Descapieri um, and Massimilo Chiagna in fourth place. And he's a good athlete. He's won uh, the the very prestigious Laguna Phuket Triathlon, arguably the hardest race in the world to do well at. Um, and uh, Erica Chomo took out the girls mm. from Diana Reisler and Camilla Lindholm. So the challenge juggernaut continues. John, is there any other news this week? I haven't really done my P's this week because it's been, been a bit of a funny show. So, so any other goss? Yeah. Uh, it's you and me both uh, in terms of uh, neither of us doing any news. Coming up this weekend, we've got the Wiser Start Triathlon, um, the City to Summit up in the uh, the UK from Edinburgh to Ben Nevis. I'm sure that's going to be pretty epic. Uh, you've got the Enduro Man in Hampshire, the UK. And probably the really big one is uh, you've got the ITU World Long Distance Champs in France. Okay. I did hear earlier in the week that there's potentially some modifications to the course. I haven't heard the latest, but they had snow on the mountains. So this is a really, really cool course. Uh, they, they obviously have the swim at the start, 4K swim, and there was rumours that they were going to be shortening that because uh, the lakes were, were pretty cold. Then you bike 120 and you go over the Boulogne d'Alsace, which is a pretty decent climb. For, off the top of my head, I'm going to say it's around about uh, 1,200 metres uh, elevation at the top, maybe maybe a touch higher. And then uh, it's got a bit of a lumpy run as well. So that's going to be a really good test. And often it is not a, an event that gets uh, perhaps the coverage that it that deserves on the on the age group level. You know, it's it's pretty hard to do well at the ITU dis, ITU long distance world champs, especially when it's in uh, in Europe. And uh, and it's just going to be a really challenging day. And it's that nice distance. You know, four k, one twenty, and thirty is um, it's just that bit shorter than an Ironman. And uh, so yeah, good luck to everybody who's going over there and racing that. But the Euro the Euro pros do like to win that race, don't they? Well, it's good money too. Yeah. It's it's um again, I haven't got that in front of me, but every year we've talked about it in the past. It's been pretty solid money. Mm-hmm. And and I think it also is one of those events that does get a bit of recognition within your your federations as well, doesn't it? I, exactly, exactly, exactly right. Bevan, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a quiz in here at the moment. Okay, shoot me. Shoot, well, don't shoot me, what? but just shoot me with yeah. your quiz question. 
Do you know, John, just before uh, you do your quiz question, it's currently sleeting in Christchurch. Well, it's not sleeting in Hawaii. <laughs> I'm looking at my window right now and it's sleeting like crazy. It's almost, it's not, it's not snow yet, but I might be stuck in my house tomorrow. My heart's bleeding for you. Yeah, I can feel it. Uh, right, so here's, here's a quiz question for you. We'll come back with the answers after the next section of the show. Okay, you go. Uh, Australia and Britain seem to have a grip on the Kona titles. Who was the last non-Aussie to win the men's title and in which year? Can, I, can girls, I answer? If I, okay, go. Sorry. Uh, on the girls' side of things, that, so that's on the guys' side, who was the last non-Aussie to win the men's title? On the girls' side of things, we've, we've obviously had the Brits been dominating it with Chrissy and Leander Cave last year. So, but on the girls, who was the last non-Brit or Aussie to win the women's title and in which year? Do you want to have a stab, do you, Bevan? Oh, I do want to have a stab. Well, you think, okay, so here's my thinking on the guys. We had Jacobs and then we've had Crowey for three years and Macca for two years in between that. So before that, who was the person? I'm thinking, hmm. I'm thinking it was Stadler. Well, let's see if you're right when we come back later on. And uh, on the girls' side? What was the girls' question? Uh, the, the last non-Brit or Aussie. The last non-Brit or Aussie. So that we've had, we had Marinda. Who won it last year? Um, Le- Leander Cave. Yes, she's a Brit. Then we had Chrissy, Chrissy, Chrissy. Oh, wow. That's a really good question, John. Mm, well, we don't. it's not my question. It's thanks to Torsten from tryrating.com. So we'll come back with the answers shortly. Um, okay, okay. Do you want to do an ad? What are we doing? Uh, we don't, we're no ads this week, Bevan. No we'll ads? We've got ad free, are we? Well, I'm only going to bring in one, um, Athlink. I'll bring in Athlinks. Actually, we'll do that now. Athlinks. Athlinks.com. Now, it's just because you're on your promotion thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, Laura Makikawa, Mia Kawa, yep. had a great suggestion. She said, um, why don't you guys set up a club on Athlinks? Um, because we often talk about, you know, set your own club up on there and that extracts all the the people from in your club from the different events. And uh, and if we did an I Am Talk one, then we could have, um, you know, the fastest I Am Talk athlete at, say, Ironman um, Arizona or, or any any race around the world. And you guys can have a little bit of I'm, I Am Talk Smackdown. And uh, I thought, that's a bloody good idea. I thought I'd done that. And I went on to Athlinks, and I had done it a long time ago, but we hadn't really promoted it for, for whatever reason. So we now have the IM Talk race team um, listed as a club under Athlinks. And what that means is you can uh, just join up to that group. At the moment, we've only got 43 people signed up to it. So you need to have an Athlinks account, um, and then you need to obviously have your results. And then now we can go into any race, and we can say who was the top Athlinks finisher. So at Ironman 70.3 in St. George, we can say that Brian Dunn took it out. He was the first uh, IM Talk finisher in 4.40. Second was Tim Perkin in 4.57. And third was Sydney Sven in 5.03. Oh. So this is going to be a cool way to actually, you know, for you guys to contribute to the show a little bit. And we can give you all a little bit of love uh, by, the, by the races you do. You know, at the moment, with, with not a great deal of people signed up, there's lots of events where there's just one, one person at it. But if, you know, if we get all you guys, um, you know, getting into this, and if you go to an Ironman race, you know, there's obviously going to be a good handful of uh, I'm Talk athletes in there racing. So, uh, so go to Athlinks and just search under the, the clubs tab um, for I'm Talk uh, or I'm Talk race team, and you should be able to find it. There's also a direct link on I'm Talk Facebook page uh, if you want to just 
for flag searching. You'll be able to get in there and, uh, and join up and have a bit of fun. Yep, sounds like good times. It is a good way. I went, I went and signed up to the group myself, and it's a real good way just to, uh, you know, give it a banter, see what everyone's up to. And if you, as John says, if you go to a race, you can see which other IM Talk listeners are going to be on there. So go on to athletes.com, guys, and get into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, John, boy, what's next? I'm not really sure how we're doing the show today. You, you, you're leading the John, charge as we're going. John's Kona update. Okay, here we go. So I got an email from John saying I'm a little bit stressed. What happened? Yeah. Well, we had a few issues um, with flights being missed and people being delayed and my support crew not being here because they were stuck in Honolulu for a day. So I was running around like a bit of a madman trying to get the stuff uh, sorted before the camp, but we got there in the end and we kicked off yesterday and it was a pretty epic day as usual. We rode the Ironman course, so it was 178 kilometres and we had then we ran down to the pier, um, which is four and a half k's from where we stay, had a little 20-minute swim and then came back, and that was that was our day. Uh, if anybody's interested in, in seeing what the Kona course is like, I put uh, I put a, an update on the I Am Talk page, which is a link off off to my um, Project Twenty Fourteen sort of page, and that's got a, a breakdown of, of how the bike ride unfolded, and then it's got a link through to to the Training Peaks file for the day. We we got a little bit stiffed um, on the course. It was uh, first you know first. 30 to 40 k's as usual was not particularly windy and uh, rolling along quite nicely and then came the uh, next sort of segment we got um, slammed with a, a reasonable amount of headwinds and then uh, for the ride up to Harvey it was pretty windy but I was only giving it about 4 out of 10 but still pretty solid wind uh, got to Harvey turned around coming down from Harvey I had a rear tyre blowout but managed oh, to nice. keep things upright Got, got back on, carried on. Uh, a couple of minutes later, another rear tyre blowout. I had this huge, massive, big gash in the sidewall of my tyre. So a bit of Kiwi ingenuity and got a bit of uh, tape in there and a bit of tyre, a bit of uh, bit of spare tube in there and, and, and sort of carried on my merry way. And then it seemed like we all started to explode when we got back onto the, the Queen K <laughs> because the, the damn wind had done a 180-degree shift on us. Oh, and we, did it? <laughs> on the way out, we were going, you know, 24, 25k into the wind, and one of the guys on the camp, Mark, he was uh, tacking on a bit, and he was doing a little loop there, and he was going the other direction around about 55k an hour, and then by the time we got back, 100, 180 degree sift, and we were back down to 24, 25k an hour, and we were all guys that I was riding with, we were exploding, oh. and uh, <laughs> not in our happy places, and. Finally came into to scenic lookout, which is where our last aid station is, fueled up, and uh, it is incredible the difference getting some cool fluids into you um, makes in terms of how you feel and also how you perform. Because our watts pulled, before we were pulling into that aid station, it was pitiful. It was just absolutely pitiful. Um, by the time we'd stopped. All our drinks were ice cold, which is a, it's a really important requirement for me this year is to make sure the drinks stay cold. It just picked us all up and we, and we had a good stint home. So uh, the Ironman course lived up to its billing to a fairly good degree. Everybody was So how long were you riding for? Active. My ride time was 5.54, so not express pace, but we do have to ride all the way down Ali'i, which is, um, which is pretty slow going. If we didn't, you know, if we just settled straight into it, um, I, I still think we probably would have been looking at a, at a 5.45 bike time, yeah. um, which is not fast, and my watts weren't, weren't too bad, but the main reason was, was that, um, that wind shift, and that just, you know, that probably cost us a good 
uh, a good 10 minutes, I would have thought, if not 15. But all, all in all, good times. So wait, did you do? You also did a bit of a run and a swim that day? We did, and we, we were supposed to go to White Sands Beach, and anybody that been, has been to Kona will know White Sands Beach. It's got a nice little surf break off it, and, uh, and you can go down there and do some good body surfing. But as I discovered a couple of days before the camp, the, the white sand on White Sands Beach has been washed away, uh-huh. and it's basically, basically rocks at the moment. And uh, so I thought, oh, so I'll still give it a crack and try to get in there. And I uh, got, got about 15 meters, and I was sort of clambering over the rocks, and then I realized that it was actually a really bad idea because the waves the waves were still crashing in and I was at that stage I was in no man's land I was committed and I was like oh man I'm taking I'm about to take a pummeling and I did and I just got thrown over onto the rocks and took a beating yeah I've got a few scratches here and there but it's not too bad um, so all our swimming is going to be down for for the first half of the camp we'll be down at uh, at the pier so that was day one. It was uh, it was suitably epic. Everybody was suitably tired, and a few people got a bit of a, a reality check in terms of how hard this course is. Mm-hmm. But um, it is it is pretty tricky when you know the guys that got off the plane on Saturday and then got up the next morning and uh, and rode 180 k's in those conditions. So hats off to everybody. It was pretty awesome. And so today you're saying you 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 faced a pretty mean climb. Did we what? I tell you. So the d- day two plan was uh, we ran down to the pier, which is four and a half k's. Uh, then we basically swam the Ironman course. So we did three point eight kilometres. We had a um, good old Rick was on a paddleboard and he was our turnaround point. Um, and so we swam three point eight k's. It was lovely. Very very choppy this morning. M- probably the the choppiest I've ever had to swim in down um, by the pier. So it wasn't the typical big swells that you get. It was just very very choppy and, and pretty slow going. Really? So that was all, that was all good. Um, everybody enjoyed that. Uh, a couple of the guys saw a massive big manta ray came up underneath them and uh, and just sort of swam straight underneath them. That was wow. really cool. And and that is one of the buzzes over here when you're yeah. you're just swimming along. There's these awesome fishes everywhere. You sometimes see turtles and, and these guys saw a manta ray. It was just it's wicked. Yeah, it's pretty so, cool, isn't it? Mm, so, so did that swim, then ran back to the hotel and then. I'd, I'd done a small amount of reconnaissance on today's ride, but I certainly hadn't done it all. So for people that know um, downtown Hawaii, or, or even if you've watched the course, the Palani Hill is a very famous part of the course. And Palani Hill goes up to the Queen K, and, and when you're biking up there or running up, you then turn left and you, you head off on the Queen K, but the road actually keeps going up. And so what we did... Um, we, we rode all the way up Palani that, that turns into a sort of the high road the high, which runs above uh, the Queen K and then we, we hung a right uh, and then we, there's a road we could keep on going up and it took us from zero metres of elevation up to I didn't actually check my Garmin but according to Google and what have you it was, it was uh, around about 1500 metres and that metres. was over the space yeah, that was over the space of uh, 19 kilometres. So it was pretty arduous. First part of the climb, not so bad. Um, when, when we got to eight, eight kilometres into the climb, we had to make the right-hand turn off the highway, uh, off the, the sort of belt highway, and that's when the fun and games began <laughs> because it was full on. Uh, so the climb had plenty of... Uh, Plenty of pitches uh, between 10 and 20%. Um, there were some parts, John Ellis was saying to me, that he was seeing sort of 18 19%. Wow. And it was full on. So I've ridden a lot of climbs in, in Europe, you know, some of the very, very famous ones. And this was 
easily as hard uh, as most of the hardest climbs that I've done in Europe. You know, compared to Alpe d'Huez, this was significantly harder. Compared to a lot of the famous Tour de France climbs, this is really hard. So if you ever come to Kona and if you haven't been to Europe and you want to experience what a proper mountain climb is, check out my file. I haven't got it up there yet. Um, but this was uh, a true test and people were zigzagging over the road. People were walking up the climb. It was insane. And how, then, how, how have you heard of this ride? You know, you kind of hear these kind of iconic kind of tough rides. You know, well, like a, I, you think in Kona, Phil, people would know of it. it it's very hard. Phil, Phil, the Philinator, Phil Patterson, yep. happened to find it on Slow Twitch. So I think Dev, um, who's one of the famous guys on Slow Twitch, posted it on there. And um, I, I don't know why people haven't found out about it, but if you want a hard ride, there is no – I mean, you'll find a couple of harder rides in Europe, but this was – extremely hard um, and to make matters worse when we got up to the top third of the climb it started raining and that got progressively worse so when we actually got to the end of the road it just stops it was bucketing down like full-on monsoons of rain and so then we had to turn around and go down and that was it was steep like really as I said you know we were talking sort of between 15 and 20 percent in places and and those places where it was steepest was around the corners well and I remember so, when we did Epic Camp one time on the coast and we're coming down the other side of um what's the steep Brown one? Range no um um you know, the, it's got that bridge, that high bridge up the top. Um, oh, the Otera Gorge. Yeah, and we're coming down there, and it was a steep descent, and it was a wet day, and my brakes weren't working. I've never been so scared in my life. And because yeah. the road's slippery, and your brakes are slipping, and it can be pretty scary, eh? Oh, people, I, I was very surprised that uh, that nobody crashed. They all did very, very well. Um, I think everybody got up there, uh, which I was very impressed with because, as I said, it was really, really steep. And the, the standard of people on this camp is not your sort of epic camp classic, you know, where you have to be sort of, you know, sub 10 hours, 30 or sub 11 hours. We've got a full spread of athletes, and they did remarkably well to get up there. I was very, very impressed. Um, but unfortunately... There was drama, Bevan. There was drama. What happened? Let it I out. Wanted to make, I, I wanted to make the, uh, the the climb just add a little bit of interest factor to it. Because it because sounds pretty easy anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I wanted to, to, to give people a little bit of motivation if they were just thinking, oh, I'm just going to cruise. Did you do a KOM so or something? I, do, I came up with a handicap system. So we regrouped at the bottom of the climb before we started going up and uh, – and, and I've got a handicap system. So the, ba- the, time, uh, the base time for your handicap was a, f- a five-hour bike split. And however many minutes slower than that you were than five hours, you got 20% of that time was your handicap. So say, for example, you did a six-hour bike split, that's 60 minutes, so you got a 12-minute handicap okay, if your yep. um, time. And then there was an added bonus, though, because big people don't climb so well. Um, for every kilogram you were over 70, over 70 kgs. So they had to weigh in. Well, we haven't done the weigh-in yet, oh, okay. um, but that's going to be done before dinner. So every every kg you were over uh, 70 kgs, you got an additional 10 seconds um, on your handicap. So you got a bonus if you were if you were bigger. So we haven't actually I haven't actually figured out who who took it out, but it was just to add that little bit of uh, spice to it. And so we we, re, we regroup, and I think right, I'm just going to set a steady tempo here. And the challenge I had is um, people like Phil, they just need to sit on my wheel because he was going to yeah. have a two minute 
and that handicap on me. So I thought, well, I'm just going to set a nice tempo from, from, the, from the get-go and started cranking away at about 265 watts and it was all going quite nicely and we're probably... I don't know, maybe six six kilometers into the climb. And I thought, I'm just going to, it came to a little flat. I thought, I'm just going to put a little surge in, yeah, clicked him. it up a couple of gears and uh, and tried to accelerate and boom, snapped the chain. Oh, did it? Uh, oh, no. Yeah. So it's like, pff, almost, I didn't almost go off, but all of a sudden, you know, your, your legs just spin around doing nothing. So chain snapped and uh, thankfully, superhero John Ellis was on hand and um, we had to do a bit of running around and go and get the support vehicles and I was on the side of the road for probably half an hour, but got my chain fixed. We had a little chain um a little chain link so we could fix it up and John Ellis did a great job and I was back on my bike and ended up just, cru- um, I wouldn't say cruising up the hill but taking it a bit more gently but uh, even taking it gently, it was it was pretty arduous. Nice work. And mm. so what's happening over the next few days? So next few days, we uh, tomorrow we bike to Volcano which is uh, 100 mile, around about 100 miles, so 160 kilometres. We do point to point. Um, which is going to be really cool. Quite a bit of climbing, but fairly gentle climbing. We get to Volcano, which is at around about, I think it's around about 1,500 metres elevation. Um, we do a run off the bike there around all the volcanic, um, there's pathways all around the volcanic trails around there, which is going to be really cool. And we drive back after that. So it'll be a big, long, long day. And then we uh, start to make our way down to Manalani and a bit more training. And then come Saturday, uh, the 70.3 Smackdown. Oh, is it on like Donkey Kong? Yeah. It is on like Donkey Kong, and uh, and how's everyone go? How's everyone feeling about that? Uh, that'll be day, today's day two, so they're they're not too stressed about it yet, but they will be uh, probably come Thursday. Thursday's crunch day because on Thursday there's a couple of options there, and and it'll be last year people were cracking all over the place on Thursday. They were stressing about the race, so we have an option of a to do camp completion. You have to do a seventy kilometer bike ride plus a a swim and a run and uh, last year we had people doing like 15 kilometres on the bike there's also uh, there's also an option for a 125 kilometre ride which I'll be doing and uh, so then Friday is basically a rest day before the cap before the race so I've got to say it's a uh, looking like a pretty impressive field rumour on the, the street is that Crowey's racing Pete Jacobs is racing um, uh, the Rapster is racing and there was uh, somebody else as well did, so, did you get your media pass? I did email actually. Good reminding me. I emailed them about it, and I uh, I got a reply, but I haven't uh, chased up on that. So you, you, next week's show's done for us. It's great. Here we go. Here we go, Bevan. Aloha from the seventy point. The email came in twenty five minutes ago. Oh, there we go. Hello from the 2013 IMAN 70.3 Hawaii. You are invited to complete your application for race day credentials by clicking on the blue blue link. There link below. Go. There we go. Oh, well, so it's exciting times. It is exciting times. Kona's good as always. It's hot as hell and uh, living the dream. Okay, good times. Well, guys, we're going to put an interview on right now. We're going to interview with a guy called Nathan Johnson. It's a great interview, and he is the guy who did the uh, Ironman Port Macquarie, and he's, he's basically only got like 6 or 7% sight, so he's, he's actually blind, but um, really, really interesting kind of story and, and a guy, so I'm going to check that on right now, and we'll be back after that. Okay, team, so we've got a guy called Nathan Schumark on the show today, and, and anyone doing an Ironman in themselves is a bit of a special thing, you know, it's not the kind of everyday kind of person thing to do, but there's something about Nathan that makes him probably even more extra special than most of my Ironman triathletes out there, and, and Nathan is uh, blind, uh, we'll find out how blind he is in a second, but uh, welcome to the show, Nathan, how you going? Yeah, good, mate, yeah. So, so I suppose, first of all, 
let's let's start with uh, the blindness. Can you tell us what you've got and, and a little bit about your sight at this stage? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, at, um, I'm sort of mid twenties. Uh, legally blind since um, probably late teenage years. I've got a, a, a eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa, which uh, is a degenerative disease that was passed. Um, both my parents were carriers of it, so when they've had um, children, one of the um, children has um, unfortunately got it, and that was me. Um, and they, at the time, they didn't know they were carriers of that gene. Oh, wow. um, so when when I become about seven or eight years of age and started walking into things and tripping over things, um, I got to run around with all the doctors trying to figure out what was wrong with me, um, and that was that was pretty uh, pretty hard to deal with. So, so at that age, you start to kind of it starts to go a bit bad. How fast was the depletion of your sight? Um, I had um, say full sight for probably the next. That sort of started happening about eight years age. So I played half a half a year of soccer at eight years of age, and then um, yeah, between that and sort of year six and year seven of high school, I was using a cane to get around, uh, and had to have people help me assist me to. Um, to get to school and do all those sort of things. Wow. So as a kid, were you an athletic kid? Uh, yeah, mate. Yeah, I did swimming club and a bit of surf club. And uh, we, we grew up in a small community south of Sydney. So, um, yeah, it's been very supportive um, through the town for me since uh, my eyesight started deteriorating. Can, can I ask, what's it like for a you know, young kid kind of slash teenager <clears throat> emotionally to handle losing your sight what was it like oh it was pretty pretty hard and challenging at the time uh, i had a good family support base behind me but mates when you're um you got a bit of sight and all your mates are off doing their own thing and you know sometimes they don't know what you're struggling with yeah um on a daily basis and getting laughed at and teased a bit because you're you're walking into things and that sort of thing wearing glasses and getting called four eyes and Things like that, um, especially as a, a teenager starting high school, is pretty um, pretty challenging at the time. And so, so you finished school, and at what stage? So, do do you see anything at this stage? Yeah, mate, I've got probably about ten um, percent of sight left. So, just um, during the day, I can see shadows and um, get get light vision, like sun vision, and. Uh, bits and pieces. So yeah, I've got the light and darkness, and um, I'm lucky with that, I suppose. So, so when you say light and darkness, is it just you just see either a, a colour of light, or do you see shapes? No, at all? I can see, I can see a bit of shapes. Like if someone, if someone's parked a the car there, I can tell it's a car, but I don't know what colour it is or, oh wow, um, what that is. But when someone parks, say a a trailer or a car under a tree, I might miss what it actually is because of the shadow um, from the tree. Well, and, and is it something that becomes quite natural or do you have to concentrate quite a lot all the time on your on your vision? Oh, I think now it's sort of, it's sort of just daily life. Um, yeah, but at the start, I suppose it took a bit more focus because um, you are getting around as um, using a cane and um, people helping you too, so that's been pretty good. So okay, so so you you know you've been dealt a pretty tough blow in life, and uh, but you don't sound like you're the kind of guy that's going to let you hold that back. First of all, what where did you start with triathlon? Um, I started with triathlon probably a year and a half ago. A good friend of mine I met in 2011 doing a little run called the Sutherland Surf in the Shire. 
Um, and I met Glengarry there through another mate. And she said to me, if you can meet this bloke, he'll take you places. Uh, he's got that many sporting contacts and business contacts from being in the um, in the sporting world for 30 years. So uh, I got to meet him and he's taken me places since 2011. Wow. And so tell us about your first kind of experience with triathlon. Uh, first experience with triathlon was a little um, aquathon in early 2012 just to swim in the run leg down there at Brighton Beach for the um, for a charity. Uh, that got me into that. And then from there we did a um, couple of little triathlons at Penrith Paralympic tri- triathlon in early 2013. Uh, we did the, the Husky um Long course triathlon, so a half Ironman event in 2013. Uh, we did the 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 Wollongong triathlon in 2013 as well. So yeah, a few little few little goals to tick off, and then Husky long course, the the big goal to tick off before getting ready for um, Ironman Port Macquarie. Can I, can I ask how do you approach an Ironman? You know, like, do you have someone with you on the swim, or do you do you like how does how does the triathlon work for you? Uh well, mate, I've got uh, a guide that stays with me the whole race. Uh, in the swim, they'll be tethered from my ankles, and um, if we go off course, they grab me by my wetsuit and push me back in the course. <laughs> um, then we get out and we get on the tandem bike for 180 kilometres, and then. Um, yeah, we jump off that and then we run together like we've got like a little arm strap thing we hold on to and uh, if there's uneven surfaces, they tell me that's coming up and just adjust your feet and they tell you about what the terrain you're running on and um, if there's if there's any holes about or what the crowd, if there's many people ahead of you or just all little different things to get through the race. What's, um, what's the most challenging aspect being a blind athlete? Is it the swim, the bike or the run? Uh, mate, with me first time in Port Macquarie, I found the, sw- the swim really tough. I've done a lot of swimming, open water swimming for the last 10 years and um, I don't know if it was because of the current this day in the uh, in the river up there where we were doing the race. It just, um, the first hour of the race is really easy, the second the second half of the race was really tough and um, I think it just, just made the day a bit longer, you know, getting out of that swim where you're a bit knackered and... Um, you're a bit tired and things haven't gone the way you, you planned or you wanted. Um, you just got to deal with that and you know, get out of the swim and you're a bit, bit shaken, a bit cold and um, just trying it because you run through the crowd um, after you come out of the swim so that pumps you back up um, yeah. emotionally and then you just got to go and get changed and get focused as much as you can to, to do 180k on the bike. So if you guys are attached, at, you're attached at the ankle when you're swimming, is <clears> it? Yeah, that's correct, mate, yeah. So, so how do you make sure you're both swimming in the same line? How does that work? Uh, he just sort of pushes me and we had another mate of ours swimming on the other side, so that was pretty good. This time we were all swimming as a pack of three, which probably we weren't supposed to do, but um, uh, a few of the Ironman rules um, on the day, we we sort of pushed them aside a little. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then you get on the bike and how'd your bike go? Yeah, it was a really fun course. You know, you're on the bike for sort of six and a bit hours and um, it was a, a 90K lap, so 45 each way, yeah. out through little country towns and um, Glenn was describing the scenery to me. Um, 
we had a few media staff that come in on scooters and bits and pieces taking photos and asking questions and um, just the crowd over overall um, through the whole weekend with with Ironman they really um, humbled me um, you know from the Friday night where we had to give a I had to give a speech at a a uh, race brief and all through the weekend it was um, it was really special. Um, you know, like as you say, for a lot of us, you know, the, the visual experience is a big part of the experience, seeing the people, that's the right, crowd, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and the scenery and, and all the rest of it. And so, for you, is it, is it more of a stimulating um, hearing experience? Yeah, it is, mate. Because like you get to certain parts where, um, like you know, you you got to train for the race physically, but I don't think anything can prepare you mentally for what you you're going through like you're going to all these little triathlons and half Ironmans and you got this sort of gist of what you got to train for 90% but I think on the day there's a, a mental factor that comes into it too like in the run we got to to 25k's and it's getting dark and you're a bit cold and yeah. you got you got another sort of you know 17k to go and you, you can't sit down and go. I'm not I'm not going anymore, and that's where we had to we had to actually start jogging to the aid stations and just knocking kilometres off, two and a half kilometres off at a time, um, just mentally because we were starting to go a bit stir crazy. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So do um, uh, can I ask? You know, because for most people, the Ironman experience is you know you you might have your training buddies and all the rest of it, but on a day, it's that real kind of left alone experience but um you obviously did it with somebody beside you all day and yeah. what, what was the kind of the bond that you guys had with each other because i imagine it becomes quite a pretty special thing oh it's, it's been a special probably two years now mate um with with um training with glenn um getting ready for the race um so we've got a bond not just from racing together but also um training together yeah uh, on a daily or weekly basis and then uh, we did that Husky long course race together, and that um, that prepared us pretty much for a for a six or seven hour period. But I don't think anything could have prepared us for what happened on the day where we got into the run and a few things, you know, didn't go the way we wanted, and it sort of took probably an hour longer than we thought it was going to into the fourteen hour bracket. Um, so that that was a bit of a challenge too. Was there was. What was the pressure between you two, like, you know, were there times where you were feeling better than Glenn and vice versa, and if so, how did you manage through that? Well, yeah, there was, uh, there was a number of times during that run course, so I was actually carrying a foot injury through the whole day, um, so we had to had to keep me going with, um, you know, some, day, some time during that run, I'd get a bit tired, and you'd go, mate, just, here's a drink, have a drink, and yep. have something to eat, and it'd keep you going, you know, and... Um, I think people talking going the other way, even though they're a lap or an hour ahead of you, they how are you going? Yeah. Keep going, good on you for um trying to do this race and I think that uh mentally that kept us kept us going really for yeah. the whole day. Hey, when it comes to your own training um outside of racing, so yeah. do you do much on on like I don't know, on a stationary bike or on the the wind train or anything like that. Like, how do you do your own training? Is it always assisted or do you have? Um, no, I do some of my own. What was your name again? Sorry, I'm um, Bevan. Oh, Bevan, yeah. yeah. I um, I do a lot of training. Um, like I've got probably about a pool of four or five people down in the town where I live. Yeah. Um, so I ride twice a week with them on the road, and then I've got a stationary bike set up. I do probably an hour a week on or a couple of sessions a week on. Yeah. Uh, then I've got um, 
I've got a, a treadmill in the garage, so I'll do at least one run a week on that, and then I'll do, and I've got two other mates I'll do another two runs on, on the road or on the track, and then uh, I've got a lady that um, was coaching me for me swimming from about two or three months out, so that'd be three, sort of three k swims a week as well. And, and, and when you swim in the pool, just in your training, are you with a partner as well? Uh, no, I'm just swimming on my own. They, uh, they'll tell me what I've got to do. and Just in a lane, mate, I can just see a bit of the black lawn on the bottom when it's sunny. Um, so, yeah, just in a normal lap pool and, um, yeah, we get the training done. Well, you know, like for, for us um, who, who obviously have our site, well, what, are, what are some of the things that we wouldn't think of that you know are real challenges for you that maybe you know, the everyday person wouldn't even you know even think to question. Uh, probably you know just getting the, to see the actual course while you're actually riding, um, see the see the actual people are actually pumping like motivating you to keep going. Yeah. Especially where you there's a, there's an area on each lap where you run past the crowd and yeah you get the feel they're yelling out and the the, the motivation that they're there but. It would have been great if I could have seen the the looks on their faces or whatever, you know. I know a lot of them were hugging me as we went past and yeah. got that sort of experience. But um, yeah, just the scenery. I think the um, the actual running running with a person is entirely different, like you're saying, mm. um, because you got that person to talk to and mentally you can. I started losing it, you know, 25, 28 k's, and Glenn's going, just keep jogging, keep keep eating your, your snacks and your lollies, and um, just try and keep focus. We got another hour and a half to go, and <laughs> realistically, this day, the thing he said in, in to me early in that morning was, mate, just take the day as it comes. He said this day will be over as quick as it it'll come and go that quick, and. Um, you know, some of the memories I've still got now, three and a bit weeks later from that day, I think I have with me for the rest of my life. Um, you know, the way having a, a bloke like Glenn that's done 21 Ironmans in a row, wow. and and he come to me 12 months previous to Paul McCrory 2013 and said, mate, I've done 20, I want to do my 21st with you. And at that stage, I was, you know, I was reasonably fit doing a bit of swimming and a bit of riding and a bit of running with little events, um, as I told you about and he said, mate, I, I know you're tough. Uh, I think you can do it. And at that stage, I went a bit crazy. And I said, I'm not going to make it or I'm not going to be able to achieve it. And he said, mate, don't worry about it. He said, I'll get there and um, you know, putting your trust in a, in a person like him that uh, knows all the little tricks to do. Like when you, you get a bit hot, he, he grabs a cup of water and just tips the water over you and cools <laughs> you down and... Little little things like that, you know, when you're a bit sore, take take a neurofin tablet to, to keep, keep the pain away, and um, just little tricks that he he knows what to take. Uh, second lap of the bike leg at 100k, start drinking cola um, to get the sugar going through, you. and all all the little tricks that I think if you're doing your first one on your own, you wouldn't know that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> do um. Do 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 you have much support other than Glenn? Like, what other support do you have around you? Um, yeah, I've got my family. I've got my friends down here that train with me a couple of times a week. Um, so that was pretty special. Just been having some friends up there who had actually done um, Ironman twenty years ago and their experience, and on the they stayed with me. 
And um, any anything or need advice about, I'd go and ask them, and they'd go, "Mate, you got to got to do this, or you got to eat that." And um, just just mentally gave me the got me prepared the most. I think I physically could have been, and mentally could have been prepared. Can you describe uh, the finish feeling, the finish line feeling for you? Uh, well, after watching that video the other day on Channel One, uh, I didn't know they were going to turn the music off, and they. They they said, "Oh, here he comes on his twelfth hour," and um, just before the actual finishing line, you go around and get your your black band. You got all these bands for each lap, different yep. colours. And um, about five hundred metres out, um, the great the great Ched Ched Towns' wife Judy come come around the corner there, and she's hugging me, and uh, she's crying and carrying carrying on, and Glenn's crying as well. <laughs> and um, she's going, "Good on you, mate." Keep going, and at that stage, I didn't know she was going to be there. So uh, that was a good emotional thing, right in the finishing line, and you know, running through that finishing line, everyone's jumped over, the, hanging over the fence, high fiving you and hugging you, and then um, you know, just getting through that finishing line. I, mentally, I lost it a little bit. I had to um, had the bloke interviewing me after the finishing line, and. Um, Pete Jacobs there, um, you know, you are an Iron Man. Yeah. Put the medal around your neck. That was pretty special and pretty overwhelming too. Wow, it's pretty pretty awesome, mate. So where to from here? Uh well, I've actually been um, invited back or to Paul Macquarie next year. Great. Uh, I've got a few little races I want to get done this year. Um, uh, with the City of Surf, but I've, I've got to get my foot injury fixed first. So we'll get through that, and then we'll. Hopefully get back for the city to surf, and um, uh, ultimate goal would be to get to Rio for the Paralympics. But uh, it's a few few years away yet. And what 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 in the triathlon? Yeah, mate, if I could, yeah, all the bike time trial. So yeah, we'll and see it, what and it's realistic. Oh, at this stage, it's a possibility. Yeah, game on. Yeah. Game on. Yeah, game uh, on. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, mate, thank you so much for your time today. You know, like it's um. You obviously are a true inspiration to many people around you. And, and what's Glenn's last name? Uh, Glenn Gorick. And my last name's Johnston. Johnston. Oh, the national. Uh, Sh- Schumark's one of my training partners. Oh, is he? Oh, sorry, mate. Um, but, mate um, but you can know, I just um, thank the sponsors too. I know yeah, Mizuno, mate, go for it. Um, Mizuno and Goo uh, were big, big supporters and um, backers of us financially. And. Um, even um, the, the owner of Goo, Andrew Lloyd, he's up at Port Macquarie, and he uh, he gave me some good motivation there at the end. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time today, mate. You're doing really, really amazing stuff, and you're an inspiration to all of us. And uh, good luck for Rio. Well, hopefully, we'll see you over there, mate. Hey, hey Bevan, um, I still don't understand that inspiration stuff. So um, you don't tell me about it. I uh, people will tap you on the back and give you a hug and go, you're an inspiration, but. Um, um, yeah, it moves me, motivates me, but I still don't fully understand it. Is that just because you see yourself just as a normal athlete? Yeah, I think so, yeah. They, even though they put you in a different category and, um, yeah, even though the training and the race is the same as everyone else, um, you need support to get through the actual day and the race, but, um, yeah. Yeah, well, mate. Well, well, we do see you as an inspiration, mate, so you, you can you can own it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thanks for your time, mate. Have a wonderful day and keep up your good work, mate. Thanks very much, Bev. Awesome, mate. Okay, John, we're back and uh, 
how's how's Triple D Dave Dwan going? Dave Dwan has been experiencing some uh, circulation problems with his hand, oh, uh, really? hands, and and I've been suggesting that I know the reason why it is, <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> not even going to go very, there. Various different other suggestions as well, uh, but he's uh, he's doing everything that is required and keeping everybody in good spirits, keeping the the one of the the, the front group um, sort of rolling in nice little you know little chain gangs. So. Yep. He's doing doing some fine work. Um, Got to say, Lava Java is outstanding. So we we eat at Lava Java each night, and uh, brilliant. It is just, good. Yeah, it's really good. Actually, I've got to just book our meals in for tonight, Bevan. As I speak, I've what, what time is it there now? Is it about two o'clock? Is it? It is five o'clock in the evening. Oh, you're ahead. Okay, of course. We are ahead. So, no, it is good times. No complaints over here. Athletes uh, seem to be all having a pretty good time and looking forward to the rest of the camp. So, Jonbo, so the camp finishes on Friday or you have Friday off? Fr- Friday's a fairly light day, just a bit of optional training. You know, it's, you know the, pre- the day before the race, we have to, you know, do your registration, check your bike in. So we do little bits and pieces and then knock it out on Saturday. And so I'm really intrigued to see how I go because – you know, it's a pretty full-on week for me. I mean, the training's hard enough as it is, but I literally don't get any downtime no, at working, all yeah. every day. So, you know, today I was I was up at five, and it's five in the evening, and I haven't had a chance to sit down and relax at all yet. Um, so it's it's pretty. Um, I mean, it's not stressful. It's just it's just full-on. So, um, but I think you know, I'm feeling all right. Energy's not too bad. Um, we're well acclimatized by the time we come to the race, which would be cool. Just think, you know, I'm. I, I, I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to, but I'm also not looking forward to running a half marathon in this heat. It does have me a little bit worried because, man, we we ran to the pier this morning and it was 7:45 in the morning, and it was bloody hot, man. So what's, it, what's uh, that, the, the like middle of the day temperature? Ah, uh, you know, it's you know same as usual, sort of low 30s okay. and sun beating down, but a humidity thrown in there. So you know, and, and it really is interesting to see. Um, how when you do start to overheat a little bit, how how things um, fall to pieces pretty quickly. Um, what I think people might find really interesting is having a look at my file from the from the bike ride on day one. And what I, uh, I did a stretch from just below Scenic Lookout, um, which is about 35 kilometres into the ride, all the way to the turnaround. So around about a 60-kilometre um, stretch at probably just above what my current Ironman pace is. Uh, so I was riding about two, 235 watts. And what I, no- I certainly noticed was uh, from Kauai High, which is uh, more or less the end of the Queen K, for the sort of staircase climb all the way up to Harvey, where we really hit the winds, is my power stayed, pr- stayed pretty similar. You know, it was just a you know, two or three watt increase um, due to the climbs. But what I did notice is as I got hotter and hotter, my heart rate was just on a fairly uh, linear straight line going up and up and up. Even though my power was staying the same, um, effort was staying, you know, felt pretty similar, but heart rate was just going up as I got uh, slightly more overheated. So that, I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, good luck for the race. Mm. Hopefully I won't need too much luck and uh, go out there and spank people silly. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing when you do these kind of things, isn't it? It's, it tends to be a hit or a miss, doesn't it? You, know, you kind of tend to... Some 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 people can kind of pull off that magic day even after a big week's training, and then other people are like mm. I, I was never there, and it's just a bit of a mystery to who's what. But it'll be interesting to see how you go next week. Oh, look at that! Eh? John and Alice has just handed me a uh, Fire Rock Pale Ale from the Kona Brewing Company. It's a hard life. 
I can't complain. It's a hard um, It is. Um, so, no, it's all good. And I'm not expecting a miracle race, but I hope for a pretty solid day at the office. Yeah, good times. Okay, guys. Well, um, anything else we need to know, guys? John, Bo? <laughs> don't think there's any, any uh, you know, major, major races this weekend other than the ITU Worlds. Uh, so good luck for people that are, that are heading over there. I'm really going to try hard, a bit harder over the next few days and hopefully over the weekend to get you guys some footage from, uh, from some of the athletes on the camp because some of them are pretty pumped to be here. They're pretty hardcore Ironman Talk, uh, IM Talk listeners and uh, some of them have t- had to tell some interesting stories. And um, give, give, yeah. Dave, give Dave the mic. Get him to do the interviews. Here we go. Okay, then, then you don't have to do, do the work. Yeah, delegating. I delegate. love it. It's the key, mate. Love it's it. the key. <laughs> do you know what I'm doing nice. next week, John? What are you doing, Bevan? I'm going to Akara for a week to write my book. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've, nice. I've written, I'm writing my book for you guys who don't know. Um, obviously, my fitness behavior is kind of the topic I'm into, and um, the podcast is going really well, and I've always been intending to write the book. And I started writing it about, or beginning of this year, and I've done about 15,000 words, but it's always that thing that the last thing on the list of things to do and I just don't get it done so I said to Joe babe do you mind if I hire a batch and go away for I'm going away for five days next Wednesday and I'm basically going to lock myself away and come back with a book at the end of it so look forward to it just so you're going into so you're going by yourself and you're just going to lock yourself in the room are you pretty much I've hired a, I've hired like a literally like an old batch like it's pretty basic mm. and um and I echo was kind of cool so I was like catch a bus there on the Wednesday morning and then yeah, five days. I've got five days. I've got to pop out about 30,000 words. But the thing is, the book's already in my head. It's just getting it out. It's not, I don't have to research it as such. So it's more just the application of the writing. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Are you going to disconnect yourself from the world? Are you going to turn your internet connection off and just no distractions? Pretty much. I will have the internet there because I'll have it on my phone. Um, the place I'm staying at doesn't have it. But I've really got an objective. And the reason I've done this is because I could have written it at home, but there's always distractions. And so I thought if I remove myself from the environment, I've done all the work that I need to do during that time normally. And uh, and I'll probably have, have the internet. You know, I might just check my emails once a day. But really, it's like... Yeah, it'll be interesting because I write quite a bit just through the things that I do and it'll be interesting to see, you know, because I figure I'll probably end up writing at least 12 hours a day, how I handle that and, and how I have to manage my breaks within that to, you know, because, you know, we just kind of lose your focus. So, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting experience. Um, I, I'll hook you up with a copy I, of the book, you know. Oh, yeah, looking forward. I hope you don't get writer's block. That Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that suck if on day end of day one you got writer's block and you sat there for four days and you couldn't do anything? Yeah, I, I haven't really <laughs> experienced that before, but it could be a problem with going into it for this long, you know. But normally when I just struggle a little bit, you kind of just wait a few minutes and you find your way around it, or you just start writing and something comes up. But who knows? Hopefully it doesn't because I've kind of <laughs> – I have to come back with a book. If I come back with no book, Joe will go, what have you been doing? <laughs> um, if you have any troubles, just just give me a call and I'll, I'll get you on the straight and narrow. Okay, mate. So wait a second. So then you're away next week as well. I am. It's going to be great. Belinda is flying out tomorrow at New Zealand time. Phil's wife is flying out today. And uh, so the girls are coming over Friday before the race. So over a couple of days in Honolulu and then coming over and uh, hanging out. At, I'm going to be hanging out at the Manalani till Wednesday after the race, just chilling out. And then we've got a, d- a night in Honolulu afterwards and uh, just a day cruising around doing all the Honolulu sort of things, which will be really cool. And so it's going to be great to just have a bit of time away from the kids and time together. So uh, as per usual, my kids lived up to their, their standards and um, <laughs> managed to get sick. Felicity, the, the night that I left, uh, when I was uh, got over here, I said, oh, 
you know, I had a pretty crappy first day. I had to do all this running to the airport and Belinda said, well, I can trump that. I went down to Felicity's room and she was asleep covered in vomit and she continued to vomit for the rest of the night. So always can rely on my kids for, for some good times. Deep down, you know you're happy. Let's not deny it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be good times. Righty-ho, let's okay. knock this one on the head, Bevan. Okay, well, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, John's got some good interviews from the week throughout, and uh, and then two weeks we'll be back to the normal show, but next week we'll have probably a few interviews and uh, a bit more of a longer show. But anyway, let's rock this one on, John. One other thing, we, we will have a special guest on the show next week. I'm doing an interview with a special guest. Oh, and one other thing, guys, actually, if you are looking for a bit more content this week, we're you releasing... Just had to tra- you just had to trump me. Well, well, because we've been at the latest okay. Legends of Triathlon. It's <laughs> okay. And this guy, we've got Peter Reid on the show this month. We've done the interview. It's all ready to go. We're going to be releasing it on the 1st of June. That's this Saturday in New Zealand time. So um, if you want to listen to that, download that. It's a really, really great interview. He's, he's just a fascinating character and a real cool interview. He's, yeah, he's, check it out. So that's going to be coming out this Saturday, New Zealand time. That's the 1st of June. So, John, what is it? Iron Russ. Iron Man don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia car. Kia car. Kind of, kind of weird. Hi right, guys, we'll see you next week. Okay, good times. Sweet.